Dragnet. The Jack Benny program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, private detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about eight minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater Program 300. 88 in the series. It is uh, May 19th. It's a Sunday night, and to my right is the vivacious Roger Baddish. Why, thank you, Carl. <laughs> it's even deeper than I, usual. I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to go deeper there. Wow, that's yes. pretty That's yeah. pretty deep. And we have Mike Estella in the studio. What's up, Mike? How hey, are guys. You? I'm hey. good. Yeah, no Lisa tonight, but she's no. back in town. She's already back oh, she in got town. Back she landed. She's safe. She texted me. But boy, are her arms, arms tired. Arms tired. Oh, boy, you stole my joke, right? I'm sorry. It's like, all right. You know what? Uh, I'll take it out of your paycheck. Oh, that one? Uh, we'll be here until 1 o'clock in the morning. We have sort of a Howard Duff special, yeah. because Howard Duff stars in The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, to start things off. And then we're going to hear a Jack Carson show where he's the special guest. Howard Duff is special guest That's on that. Good. So. Uh, double Howard Duff kind of show, and we're going to also start things off with our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, sponsored by Cat's Pride. Again, it's about great uh, directors, mm-hmm. and this hour, it's Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, nice. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. We're going to take the third caller at 312-981-7200. What do they win, Roger? Well, um, you know? If, uh, yes, I do. Oh, you do? Yes, what I do. What is it? What are they going to win? I'm totally organized here. A pair of tickets, not just any tickets, to the Porchlight Revisits Minis Boys, May 22nd and 23rd. All right, call uh, right now, 312-981-7200. Win uh, win some tickets. Play the game live on the air. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. All right, let's, uh, let's bring Sandra onto the line. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Hello, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm making it. All right. That's good. We want you to make it. Yeah. We, you have two <laughs> lifelines, Roger Badish and Mike Costello are going to help you out. You, uh, you are already a winner, but let's have some fun. Quentin Tarantino. And here's the first question. Tarantino funded his independent film, Reservoir Dogs, with the money... He earned from the sale of his script, Natural Born Killers, to Oliver Stone. Is that real or is that ridiculous? Wow, that's a long question. I know, too. Sandra. I know. <laughs> I'll say real. Okay, Sandra says real, Roger. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Sandra sounds like an extremely brilliant person. I'm she is. Go She's a listener of our show. I so know. That so, automatically qualifies her. Oh, of course. And so I'll go with uh, Sandra. All right, yeah. real Mike. What do you think? I've seen both of these. Um, I'm actually going to say this is ridiculous. Okay. Well, here's for Sandra and Roger, and here's for Mike. It's absolutely real. All right. Here's the next question. 
1999's Inglorious Bastards. Can I say oh, that on the air? I think you can. The name of a movie, sure. Had a $70 million budget and grossed over $320 million in theaters worldwide. Is that real, Sandra, or is that ridiculous? I'll say real again. Okay. Yeah, a great movie, and from the sets they used and everything, I say yes. I'll agree. Okay. I think I may have learned my lesson. I'm going to go with real. Here's for all three of you. Sandra has two out of two. Look at that. She is smart. Yeah. Okay, here's the next one. Originally, Michael Madsen was Tarantino's first choice to play Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. Is that real or is that ridiculous? Uh, let's go real again. Sandra's going to go real again. Roger, what do you think? Boy, you know what? I think I'm going to have to go uh, ridiculous on this. Okay, Mike? I will go real on this. So Mike and Sandra. Oh! And here's Roger. I like hearing that one. You know, Sandra, you got all three right. Look at that. What do you think of that? Way to go. Fantastic. You are great at this game. And (laughs) not that you had to get all three right, but you still are a winner. You get a pair of tickets to Porchlight Revisits Minis Boys, May 22nd and 23rd. The award-winning Porchlight Music Theater takes Chicago back in time in this loving and joyful look at the young Marx Brothers and the Chicago premiere of this rarely seen gem. Get tickets at porchlightmusictheater.org. Congratulations. She knows her stuff. Thanks, Sandra. Appreciate you. Is that in Chicago? It is. Yeah. It is in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Oh, okay. All right. All thank right, you, Hunt. She's a big winner. And so are our listeners, because we have classic radio shows coming their way, all digitally remastered by the one and only Mike Costella. And we're going to start things off with uh, Sam Spade. But I want to remind all of our listeners, too, that we have a text in line. So please do text us. Roger's manning the text in line, 312-981-7200. And uh, the number one a text in is, will Lisa be back next week? That's no reflection on your abilities I here, know. Roger. I know. But, yes, she will be back next week. Yes, We all will. want Lisa back. Yep. Um, and uh, But, Roger, thank you for stepping in. My pleasure. And, My pleasure. Uh, you, you know, sh- her shoes are a size 13, so you're, they were a little big on you. They were very big on yeah, me. Yeah, but you still did a pretty good job. Uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike's going to put his feet in there, too. And by, with both your both feet, of us, yeah. it'll fit right in there. Yeah. Fit, and then fit, we can... Well, then we can go to the ball together. Yeah, Absolutely. just like Cinderella. It'll be like Cinderella's ball. All right, well, Adventures of Sam Spade. You know, Dashiell Hammett created the character of mm-hmm. Sam Spade for the Maltese Falcon, which, of course, was a great awesome. novel and a great movie. Yes. Uh, Humphrey Bogart, mm-hmm. best, uh, probably was the best known actor to play the part of Sam right. Spade mm-hmm. in the movies. But on radio, it was played by Howard Duff. Mm. And we have an episode starring Howard Duff for you right now called The Wheel of Life Caper, July 11th, 1948. Here's part one of The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, 
detective agency. Are you still there? I believe that interpolation is hardly rhetorical, Mr. Spade. To what have you been up, if you'll pardon the expression? And has that girl regained her facilities? I uh, wouldn't know, but her uh, faculties are as good as ever, if you'll pardon the expression. Mr. Spade, sometimes I think you're a regular philanthropist. Don't you mean philanderer? How much money did you make out of that case? Well, I uh, broke even, anyway. That's what I mean. You're a philanthropist. Well, you know best, Bernadine. By the way, was that man really murdered with the bus saw, or was that just publicity? He really was, Bernadine. Why? There just happened to be one lying around. Oh, I don't mean that. Why was he killed? For the wheel of life. Oh. You're not going to ask what that is? Some curio, no doubt. Listen, Bernadine, the wheel of life is, uh... Oh, well. I suppose I don't have to tell you to stay where you are. Just sit quietly with your book in your hand. And I'll be right down to dictate my report on the Wheel of Life caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. I went down to St. James and Fermi. Ready, Bernadine, little flower? I'm way ahead of you. Keep it clean. No more than three erasures per page. Okie dokie. Oak. I mean doke. I mean date. Oh, I'd love to. July 11, 1948. To uh, Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide details, San Francisco police. Subject, the uh, wheel of life caper. Now don't go away, Bernadine. I don't know why these things always have to happen to me. Under private detectives in the San Francisco Classified Directory, there are listed somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 agencies, several with large display ads. But somehow she managed to find me. It's all so strange, Mr. Spade. I hardly know where to begin. Well, the beginning is always a pretty good place to start, Miss O'Farrell. Yes, the beginning. It was like waking out of a nightmare you can't remember. Everything seemed out of proportion. Even the buildings along the street seemed to be leaning at a crazy angle. And then I realized I was traveling down a hill. I looked wildly around for something to help me get my bearings. There was a street sign, O'Farrell, stuck in my mind, so I gave it to your secretary when she asked for my name. Uh-huh. And what's your real name? I don't know. I don't know who I am, where I came from, or where I'm going. Mr. Spade, I'm so frightened. Uh, now, wait a minute. A lot of people suffer from uh, temporary loss of memory. Uh, most of them recover. But amnesia is a sickness, and I am not a doctor. Oh, then you won't even try to help me? Well, I can give you the name of a good head doctor right here in the building. There's also uh, missing persons. Oh, but I'm not a missing person. I'm right here. Yeah, I mean, where you aren't, somebody might be missing you, Nespa. But the police! Oh, I'd rather not. I, I might be wanted for some crime. How do I know? You sure you want to find out? Oh, yes, I do. I do. It's terrible not knowing. But I want to find out for myself. Can't you understand that? What do you think I can do for you? You might save my life. From what? 
I'll try to tell you exactly how it happened. First, I looked at my watch. It was three minutes past ten. The cable car stopped at the corner and a man got on. I, I couldn't remember ever having seen him before, but then I couldn't remember anything. He sat down beside me and he caught hold of my arm. I tried to pull away. Well, you can see the marks where he... Yeah. Well, who was he? He acted as if I were... I think I know what you mean. Did you uh, find out who he was? No, no, I was too frightened to speak. What did he say? He sort of growled it out of the side of his mouth, but it sounded as if he said, Lathrop wants to see you. Mm, you remember anybody named Lathrop? I can't remember anything before three minutes past ten this morning. Well, let's go on with since then. The guy grabbed you, said somebody named Lathrop wanted to see you, and then what? I, I went into a panic. I managed to jerk away from him, and I jumped off the moving car, and then I looked in the classified section, and I found you. Why me? I don't know. The name, I guess. A spade to dig up my past. Please, Miss O'Farrell. <laughs> Do you think I'm very silly? No, I think you're very beautiful. I wish you could remember whether you're married or not. Oh, no. Well, at least I have no wedding ring. Uh, what have you got? I mean, besides what's visible. Well, I couldn't find much of anything. I went over my clothing. There don't seem to be any, seem to be any marks of any kind. Mm. Well, you got any money? Well, a little over $300. Let's have it. The purse, too. All right. Uh-huh, lipstick, aspirin, bobby pins, Kleenex, uh, nothing here. They couldn't have been bought in any drugstore. <sighs> powder. <coughs> hey, what kind of powder is this? Uh, then there was this in my coat pocket. A match folder. Sailor's Rest Bar, Hotel Calcutta, 1100 Embarcadero. Little number written inside. 120. What's that, a room number? I don't know. My purse, you have to destroy it. Here's $10 of your own money. Buy a new one. Wow. Did you find something? Coin. Chinese bit. Good luck piece. Probably sewn in by whoever made it. Maybe in China. That uh, ring any bells? No. No, I'm afraid not. Shoe. What? Your right shoe. Let's see it. Take it off. Uh, you aren't going to tear it up the way you did the purse, are you? Uh, dust. Plaster dust. Is that a clue? I don't know, is it? I'm not a detective. Well, you are in this case, baby. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it doesn't. That's everything. What am I going to do? Well, let me see. First, we better give you a name. Oh, Farrell's all right. You look like, uh, well, uh, Lana would do, but, well, that's in use. Uh, how about, uh, Poppy for forgetfulness? Poppy O'Farrell. <laughs> that's a funny name. Oh, you think so? Huh? Uh, I think I like it. You do? I think I like you, too. I liked her, too. There may have been blanks in her brain, but the rest of her figured. In the elevator, I started adding it up, and by the time we reached the street floor, it came to quite a tidy sum. Where are we going, Sam? Far, I hope. But uh, first, we're going to find you a place to stay. Oh, yes, we must be practical. No use overdoing it, huh? Oh, no, Sam, I didn't mean... <gasps> Wait... What's the matter? You remember something? That man, the one who followed me this morning, he's standing right out there waiting. The one in the straw hat leaning against the newsstand? Yes. Where are you going, Sam? You stay here. I just remembered something I hoped I could forget. Hello, Shuggy. What brings you back to town? Do I know you? That doesn't matter. I know you. The name you were using when you blew this town was Shuggy Bellows. You wouldn't take the risk of showing your face here again unless the caper was worth it. You've got a big nose. Keep it clean. You've been tailing that girl all day. Why? Damn what damn. Who's Lathrop? I don't remember. Okay, I'll give you a chance to think it over. Hey, officer! You dirty shamash yelling... No, 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 you don't. Come here! Here, don't go. 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 Here, don't go
Is this fella giving you trouble now? Yeah, what kind of a beat are you pounding here, Clancy? Letting a cheap grifter like this walk around with an armpit full of gun? Or are they handing out permits to characters like these this day? These well, days? now, uh, how about that, son? Uh, have you a permit now? And a goat copper. Oh, so, one of them clever lads he is. What? Come along, me bucko, before I lose me temper and give you your lumps now. Stop okay, calling. I'm coming. That's better now. Uh, much obliged, Mr. Spade. I'll pay you for this, Thomas. And I goop to you, too. I was sure he would, but I was also sure that I wouldn't have to worry about him for the rest of the night. I checked Poppy O'Farrell in at the Belvedere, locked her in her room, and told Tiny Stover, the house dick, to keep an eye on her. When I left him, he was, and uh, he seemed to be enjoying his work. Then I headed for the Embarcadero. I found the Hotel Calcutta, but I couldn't find the lobby. There wasn't any. It had been squeezed out by the sailor's rest bar. So I tried the bosun by bartender. Howdy, mate. You got business aboard? Yeah, where do I find the purser? He went ashore. All the officers went ashore except the janitor. He's passed out in his bunk. Oh, how about the passengers? Uh, you're in the thick of them right now. They spend most of their time and their money right here. Uh, which one belongs to 120? You a dick? Yeah, but I got ten bucks. Well, what I can tell you ain't worth it, but thanks anyway. He stayed in his cabin. I only saw him at once. That's when he went ashore. I says to the deck steward, that's room clerk to you, who's a general. He says, name of Korolenko. I noticed him because he was a real creep, see? Six foot four, a solid brass. His head stuck up in the air, and he didn't move nothing from his stern to his shoulders. A real Frankenstein. Hey, uh, do I keep it then? Yeah. Do I get a look at his room? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Who's stopping you? So I went. Nobody stopped me until I opened the door to 120. Then I stopped myself. It was an inside room with one small window on an air shaft. But it looked as if a flurry of snow had blown in. The floor and the rest of the flat surfaces were sprinkled with a fine, dirty white powder. It wasn't snow, it was dust. Plaster dust. Like the stuff I'd found in Poppy's handbag and on her shoes. I shook the place down, not expecting to find anything. I didn't until I opened the wardrobe. It was the body of a well-dressed ship surgeon. But his uniform was rumpled, torn, and bloodstained. From the look of him, his throat had been cut. I wondered if Poppy would be able to jog her memory that far back. When I found the murder weapon, I hoped she couldn't. I really did. It was not a knife. It was not even a razor. It was an electric buzzsaw. That tore it. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. It's Lisa's favorite uh, hair tonic, yeah, Wild well, Root. She uses it all the time. It's why her hair is kind of greasy. Oh, really? Um, yes. I didn't notice. Yeah, you can't get within. Keeps know, the shine. The shine is, yeah. yeah. It's blind. Um, that's the adventures of, uh, for a part one of the adventures of Sam Spade. We'll get back to it. You know, interestingly, the uh, the main secretary of uh, of Sam Spade throughout most of the run was mm. Effie. 
uh, Effie Perrine, played by Loreen Tuttle. But for about three or four weeks in a row, uh, Loreen Tuttle, she might have been sick or something, or yeah. maybe had a, uh, an operation or something. Who I knows? Another commitment. Sure. Yeah. And so they hired Sandra Gould to play her cousin, Bernadine. And that's who the... Um, and that is who the secretary on this particular episode is. Sandra Gould, best known as Gladys. Or, or, or remember Gladys, Gladys Kravitz? The or Kravitz. Kravitz? Yeah. Gladys Kravitz, yeah. right? Wasn't that on Bewitched? And she had that high voice. I saw her. Yeah. Fly. I, oh, yeah. I, I can't you guys see that she's a witch? <laughs> um, but she's playing uh, Bernadine, the secretary on this particular episode, uh, called The Wheel of Life Caper. And we'll get back to it and a lot more hijinks after these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Vic. It is 11.38 here on a Sunday night. Thanks for staying up late with us. And we, uh, we're listening to The Adventures of Sam Spade. After that, it's the Jack Carson Show with special guest Howard Duff. And we are here every Saturday and Sunday night from 11 p.m. until 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays till 1 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. But right now, it's the conclusion to The Adventures of Sam Spade Detective. <laughs> Now, back to the Wheel of Life caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. Times being what they are, I could use a little publicity. And so could you, Lieutenant Dundee, what with the elections coming up and you with no promotion all these years. This one time, I got it instead of you and wished I hadn't. The morning papers called it the buzzsaw murder and went on shamelessly from there. Horror killing related by private eye. Stan Slade, ex-Pinkerton man, mum on Mystery Woman. Elderly sleuth, dodges photographers, denies hotel visit, was in bed with Apple and good book, says Peeper. There wasn't a word of truth in it, mainly because nobody could get at the facts. I wasted most of the day down at headquarters trying to find out what name Shuggy Bellows had been booked under. Then I dropped in at the Belvedere. Poppy had checked out. I decided to go back to my office and drink poison. I hardly got the desk drawer open when a sobering influence walked in. It was a Mr. Six Feet Four of solid brass. The Frankenstein who had been described to me by the bartender as the occupant of room 120. Excuse me. I am Korlenko. Please, I shall sit down. I am so heavy. Make yourself at home. Oh. Mr. Swade, uh, Swade. Uh, uh, excuse me, I am so heavy, I, I am Korlenko. So you told me, I am really Spade myself. So, why are she hiding from me? Who? That girl, Miss Paget. Her, I am paying one month in advance, $300 American, me, she have dessert. I am not rich, only moderately wealthy. But you understand, it's not question for money alone. That ship's doctor, he was most kind to me. He cared to me even after I arrived. Now he are dead for his pains, his dirty tricks. Yeah, 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 I know how you feel. Now, if you'll uh, take it a little easy, I think we'll get farther. You say this girl's name is uh, Paget, and she traveled with you. Uh, from Macau, da, uh, where she is the Florence Nightingale for Portuguese hospitals, forcing me to employ her... All others being Chinese nuns. That figures. 
You were sick? No, only I am so heavy, they are breaking my back in traffic accident, a rickshaw collusion. You're uh, wearing a plastic cast? Yes, like a turtle, I am close with my neck sticking out. Look, see? Now it is better as before. The ship's doctor trimmed the rough edges with buzz saw. Buzz, 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 I can walk. But it's like suit from armor, for which I alive. Look. I looked again where he opened his shirt front, exposing the gray-white shell of plaster that surrounded his trunk from collarbone to hips. In a six-inch circle over the left side of his chest, I counted four bullet gouges. I dug one of the slugs out and examined it. It was 32 caliber. The plastic cast, which was molded to the shape of his body, was no more than an inch thick. I didn't see how it had stopped the slugs, but it had. About then, the parts of Korolenko that were not held rigid in the cast began to tremble violently. Why are they doing this? Why? To a virtually helpless man. Why, Mr. Spade? Why? 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 Uh, where did you have that cast put on? Don't I said Macau? The Portuguese hospital there? The same. They are hanging me up with the neck and plastering me. Comes great pain, they put me to sleep from anesthetic. I, I are waking up in ambulance arriving at shipboard. Why you wish I should tell you my operation? More important things we should be discussing. Uh, I think so, too. I think Miss Paget and her friends had something they wanted to smuggle out of Macau and into San Francisco, and you're it. Oh, excuse me. I, I am not comprehensible. Look, I mean, while you were out with the anesthetic... They uh, planted the goods, whatever they are, in or under your cast. Oh, oh, that is why I am so heavy. The wheel, the wheel. The what? The wheel. Look, I show you. He hauled a manila envelope out of his overcoat pocket and waved it in my face. I took it over to my desk and fished out the contents. It was a set of X-ray films. Three of his spine showing the fractures, four of the skull, three I couldn't figure out, and one of his rib cage. Only something new had been added. In silhouette, it looked like the wheel off of a child's wagon. What is it, this wheel? What to do? What to do? Six months, I must remain in this straitjacket. If I remove it, I die. If I keep it on, they kill me to get their smuggled. Well, you look to me like the luckiest man alive. That wheel or whatever it is saved your life by stopping four slugs. But still, I shall die. How shall I die? When shall I die? Your best advices, please. Korolenko, I think you'd better die right now. Excuse me? It's the only safe place for you. The morgue. I called my friend Maxie the morgue man, gave him pitch number 137596. He agreed to play along. An hour later, I stood on the curb, head bowed, hat in hand, as the morgue wagon drove away into the gathering mist. Straight facing the way, uh... What do you want, Shuggy? I want to blast this gun straight through you, and I will if you give me any excuse at all. You sound like you mean that, Shuggy. You're getting smart, Shamus. I get going. Where to? Mr. Lathrop wants to see you. Shuggy, dear boy, you've not failed me this time. This will be the fable of Mr. Spade, eh? Come in, come in, come in. Ah, sit down, Mr. Spade. 
We'll talk. Tell your guns to get that pistol out of my ribs. Oh, yes, indeed, Sugar. You mustn't overdo it. And get him out of here. I'm tired and nervous, and my price goes up a thousand bucks every minute he's in this room. When I get to ten thousand, I kill him. Then the price jumps to a hundred to take care of me on a murder rap. I should ought to plug you downstairs. Come, come, Sugar. Don't be ungracious. You wait in the other room now. Okay, it's your party. I'll get mine later. <laughs> oh, dear. His bite's much worse than his bark, Mr. Spade. Don't start boring me so early in the evening. I came here to talk about the wheel. Oh, so you know about the wheel. I do better than that. I've got it. That may well be, but uh, do you know what to do with it? I got two possibilities. I can turn it over to the cops and you with it, or I can sit on it until it hatches. <laughs> A quaint conceit, sir. Round and round the little wheel goes, and where it shall stop, nobody knows. That's where you're wrong. It stops right here. So you better start placing your bets. Uh, just what do you mean by that, sir? There's part of it. What is it? It's one of the slugs your guns will throw at Korolenko. I got three more just like it that I dug out of him before he was carried to the morgue. Well, huh. an advantage, I'll admit. But uh, hardly worth your while to take advantage of. Don't be too sure of that. Just uh, how much do you know about the wheel? So far, it's been worth two human lives to you at the risk of your own. That tells me all I need to know. Oh, no, not quite. Men have been killed in hold-ups for a few paltry sovereigns, but the wheel oh, is a horse of another color. Well, let's not change wheel horses in midstream, Mr. Lather. <laughs> yes. You must understand that the wheel has no absolute finitive value. Uh, monetarily speaking, the British Museum might pay close on to 5,000 pounds, hot as it is for the privilege of returning it. <laughs> Occidentals aren't the puka sahibs that they once were in the Orient. The theft of the wheel, if countenanced by the Western powers, would have most grave consequences. Most grave. Uh, are you attending, sir? Wake me up when you get to the point. Ah, well, the point, sir, is this. That little wheel, that little wheel of gold, is the wheel of life, which the Buddha himself is said to have received into his hands from paradise. Now, given such a relic, a few old Buddhist monks can set up a shrine which even in the most miserable surroundings can attract enough pilgrims to outgross Radio City, Madison Square Garden, and Miami Beach in season. To say nothing of Hialeah. Uh, yes, quite. In short, we propose to act as booking agents for the wheel on a royalty basis with the percentage of the house. Mm -hmm. Why did you bring it to San Francisco? But, oh, Gad, sir. Were we to bargain in the Orient, we should be hacked to pieces in our beds. I'll settle for a lump sum and let you do the bargaining. Uh, and uh, your price, sir? We can talk money later. First, got to give the cops somebody for the doctor's murder and for Korolenko. Uh-huh. Well, that ought not to be too difficult. Uh, when may I expect delivery? I'll check on it. I went out to St. James Infirmary. <laughs> City morgue. Maxie, Sam Spade. Yeah, Sammy. Uh, deal's okay. Send it up. The address is... Sam, the... Sam, wait. Yeah? Sam, you ain't here no more. What happened? Somebody claimed him. A girl. Eh, said she's his daughter. What did he do? When I'm playing dead like you told him to. Maxie, where did she send him? Uh, Avalon Mortuary, Corner Lynch and Hate. Okay, uh, uh, by the way... Uh, yeah, Sammy? Uh, Maxie, put some clean sheets in that morgue wagon, size 16. I may be your next passenger. <laughs> At the Avalon Mortuary, the night watchman let me in. He said Mr. Korolenko's daughter had brought an overnight bag and was keeping a vigil by his beer in slumber room number seven. I approached on tiptoe. Just as I reached the door, 
I heard the most terrible sound I've ever heard. It was a buzzsaw biting into plaster. How deep, I didn't like to think. I did the first thing that popped into my head. I grabbed up a lamp from the console, smashed the bulb, and plunged it into a vase of flowers. As luck would have it, slumber room number seven was on the same fuse box. As luck would not have it, I was facing a desperate woman in the dark. I hugged the carpet while she emptied the gun. I hoped she didn't have a spare. I forgot about the buzzsaw. The room lighted up momentarily from the lights inside my head, and I staggered back against the wall. I waited for her to get her bearings again. There was no hope of me getting mine. Then I heard a big, hollow thud. The whole room shook, and the lights went on. Poppy O'Farrell and or Paget lay on the floor under the stony weight of Coralinko plus 60 pounds of plaster. Get up! Me. I can't. I'm so heavy. You, uh, you comfortable there, Coralenko? Comfortable in such situation? Do you ask the turtle? Are he comfortable? Is Faker on bed of nails? He's equally here as elsewhere. Yeah, okay, okay. Just, just hold her there until I get a statement. And he did. Item, statement by the aforesaid. It was like waking out of a nightmare you can't remember. Everything seemed out of proportion. That was her story, and I had to admire the way she stuck to it. But if you keep trying, I'm sure she'll get back enough of her memory to confess that she planted the wheel of life in Coralenko's turtle shell when she decided to double-cross Shuggy and Lathrop. They never tumbled to her hiding place. They were gunning for Coralenko because they thought Poppy was working with him, which was true in a way, but not the way that they thought. That's why they tortured the doctor in an effort to learn Kay's whereabouts. I understand your boys have picked up the rest of the trio, and they can tell you everything except why I conceived the brilliant idea of having Coralenko play dead. Between you and me, uh, amnesia's a handy little gadget to have around, Dundee. I'm trying to draw a few strategic blanks myself. Period. End of report. Pardon me, Mr. Spade. Yes. There are just a few little coincidentals that I do not find entirely reprehensible. Such, uh, such as? Well, I don't want to appear lucid or anything of that type. Believe me, you doesn't. I mean, don't it? Oh, you say the sweetest thing. Mm. Uh, but it's about the wheel. Oh, yes, the wheel. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You type that up. I've got to call in about that now. <laughs> down on the wheel of life? I certainly didn't. No, we won't know about that for six months. <laughs> because definitively, I mean definitely, that plastic cast has to stay on them. Doctor's orders, you know. Oh, but I won't be here six months from now. You can say that again. But I won't be here six months from now. Stop repeating yourself. But you just said you can say that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just as distinctly as if I was sitting here. Uh-huh, that's what I like about you, Bernadine. A, a woman of distinction, that's what you are. Well, if you want to take me dancing, why don't you just say so? Bernadine. It's leap year, and I always say discrimination is the better part of value. You are absolutely correct. Well, I'm glad I'm right about something. Good night, Mr. Spade. Good night, and I'll say if it kills me, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade.
Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Bolly. Get Wild Root right away. If you're thinking of volunteering for the U.S. Army or Air Force, here's a word of reassurance. As an Army and Air Force man, you'll become a skilled professional in a specialized field. The training you get will always be useful, not only in military, but in civilian life as well. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the adventures of Sam Spade Detective, July 11th, 1948. The Wheel of Life Caper, starring Howard Duff. We'll be back after these words. All right, in our next hour, Roger and Mike, we are going to play a Jack Carson show. We've never aired a Jack Carson show uh, in the four years, uh, over four years we've been on the air here. Yeah, it sounded new to me. Yeah, and the special guest is Howard Duff. So you're going to get to hear him actually in character of uh, Sam Spade. Oh, that's going to be fun, yeah. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thank you, Vic. It is uh, five minutes after midnight here on a, uh, well, now it's Monday morning. Monday morning. Yeah. Oh, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Roger, Thank and good you. morning to you, Mike. Good morning. And uh, in this hour, we're going to listen to a good comedy on the Jack Carson radio show from 1947 guest Howard Duff. That's coming your way in just a minute. But first, we're going to play our game. Yeah. Is it real? Or is it ridiculous? And it is on a very famous director, and that director is Spike Lee. Ooh. Heard of him? Love his stuff, yes. All right, Spike Lee. Sure. So we are looking for callers. We'll take the third caller. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Roger and Mike will be your lifeline. And you can win some fun prizes. What is it, Roger? And this time it is a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. Oh, boy. Pizza. $25, I think, too. I believe it is. $25. Oh, yes, it is. I wish I could call in and win. Uh, you know you can't. I know. But, you, you know, they don't you allow could treat us to, us to a Lou Malnati's. Yeah, I could, I could do could. that. I could, yeah. but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us a call right now, 312-981-7200. Play the game live on the air right after these words. Come on, baby, let's get ridiculous. Let's get ridiculous. We have Tommy on the line. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, you have... Now, you have two people going to be a lifeline for you, but I'm telling you right now, Tommy's won before. He's very smart. Oh, really? So don't go against uh, Tommy. All right. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Tommy, whatever Tommy. you say, we're going with him. All right. So yeah. here all here right. we go. Spike Lee. Born Sheldon Jackson Lee, his mother nicknamed him Spike during his childhood. Is that real or is that ridiculous, Tommy? Uh I'm going to have to go with real with that. You want real? Okay. Sure. Roger. I'm, I'm going with Tommy. Going with it? I'm going to go real. All right. 
That's absolutely true. Fantastic. All right. In the mid-1990s, Lee directed a series of TV commercials for underwear by Calvin Klein. Is that real or is that ridiculous, Tommy? Hmm. Uh, I know he did commercials. But uh, underwear, I'm going to go have to do with. I'm going to have to go with ridiculous on that. All right, Tommy says ridiculous. Yeah, I think he did. He did the the gym shoes and stuff. I I don't remember him doing the underwear. I'm going to agree and go ridiculous as well. Okay, here you go, guys. But listen to this, though. What? It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. But in in the mid-90s, he directed a series of TV commercials for Levi's 501 Buttonfly Jeans. Uh, oh. Mm-hmm. That's kind I'm of interesting. Have to look those right? up. All right, here's the third one. I told you, Tommy's smart. I know. Don't mess with Tommy. I'm not messing with him. <laughs> Originally, Norman Jewison was assigned to direct the film Malcolm X, and he cast Denzel Washington to star. But Jewison left the project, and Spike Lee came aboard to direct. Is that real, or is that ridiculous, Tommy? Just because of the detail of that explanation, I'm going to have to go with real. Real, okay, Roger. Yeah, I haven't heard that story, but I think it's a very strong possibility. I'll go real. I will agree as well. Tommy's got all three. It's real. Both Jewison and Washington would reunite years later for the film The Hurricane. That was a good movie. Good Good boxing movie. Well, Tommy's a big winner. He's got a Lou Malnati's pizza, uh, and we're coming over to have some. Yeah, definitely. Um, $25 Lou Malnati's gift certificate. (laughs) Lou Malnati's home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. Find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at loumalnati's.com. Way to go, Tommy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. Big winner. And uh, we have text in line, 312-981-7200. Lots of text coming in, right, Yeah, Roger? a lot of good text. Lots and lots and lots. Yeah, a lot of suggestions for future shows, too, All which right. people can do. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm always up for The Shadow, Boston, Blackie, Suspense, Inner mm-hmm. Sanctum, and Lights Out. Those are my favorites. There you go. Mm-hmm. More than enough for a whole weekend of shows. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> so the Jack Carson Show. Here's a program we've never aired. I'll tell you a little bit about it. It aired on CBS and also NBC. Came to radio in 1943 had a very long run ran all the way to 1956 yeah so 43 to 56 comedian jack carson played himself in a show akin to the jack benny program he you know was all about his exploits at home at the studio making Mm -hmm. a film etc now the cast members on this show were dave wilcox as uh, carson's nephew tugwell eddie marr as his press agent Agnes Moorhead was in this cast as Mrs. Freddie Martin. Arthur Treacher was his butler, Tristan. Had some of those fish and chips. That's right. Norma (laughs) Jean Nilsson was the little girl next door. And Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. He was in this, too. Was Herbert Peabody. And Jane Morgan was Mrs. Foster. So he had a good supporting cast. Others in the cast were Doris Drew, Maxie Rosenblum. Remember Max, uh, Slapsy yeah, Maxie, Slapsy Maxie right, Rosenblum? Yeah, yeah. Hanley Stafford, who was daddy on Baby Snooks and oh Daddy. Oh, my gosh. And are you ready for this one? Uh-oh. Also in the cast, Irene Ryan. You know who that is? Irene Ryan. Daisy May Granny Moses. Yes. On the Beverly Hillbillies. Hillbillies. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the Jack Carson Show made a transition to television in 1954, lasting until 1955. But we have a radio episode for you now. And the special guest is Howard Duff, appearing as Sam Spade. And it's sponsored by Campbell Soup and Franco-American Spaghetti. Remember Franco-American Spaghetti? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Hope you enjoy this. Irene Ryan is in this cast, too. Let's go back to March 5th, 1947, part one of The Jack Carson Show. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell Soups are. Mmm, good. From Hollywood, The Campbell Soup Show, starring Jack Carson. Jack Carson, Freddie Martin and his orchestra, Arthur Treacher, Jack's nephew Tugwell, played by Dave Willock, little nine-year-old Norma Jean Nelson, Irene Ryan, and yours truly, Del Charlotte. Well, as you know, someone called the Mad One sends Jack a telegram every day, and each one states that his time is diminished by another 24 hours. Jack is now so worried, he has hired the famous detective, Sam Spade. And let's hope he can shed some light on the mystery surrounding Jack Carson. Hey, what's that you're reading, Uncle Jack? Another one of those telegrams from the Mad One? Yeah, and this one says I've only got seven days left. I'm sure glad I hired Sam Spade to investigate this whole thing. Well, gee, I don't know if it was so wise to hire a detective, Uncle Jack. Why not? Well, supposing while he's investigating, he finds out something about you. <laughs> well, my life is an open book. Everybody knows me. I'm uh, Warner Brothers' leading star. <laughs> that's, that's the whole story. <laughs> uh-huh. Supposing he finds out that back in Milwaukee, you used to work in a pickle factory. <laughs> all right, all right. So I used to work in a pickle factory. But remember, I had one of the most important jobs there. I was the head coordinator. Sort of a troubleshooter on the production line. <laughs> Some troubleshooter. You stuffed the pickles in the bottle. I did not. The other people did that. When they came to a big pickle that wouldn't go in the bottle, then I'd come along and grease the warts. <laughs> and w- when Sam Spade gets here, don't be bringing up trivial things like that. Oh, uh, Treacher! Did you call, sir? Yes, what, what time is Sam Spade supposed to be here? Oh, when I phoned, his secretary told me he'd left already, sir. He should be here any moment. Good, good. Mr. Carson, is this Mr. Spade really such a capable detective? Oh, yes, yes, Treacher. He's the very best. Once he gets on this case, he'll locate this killer who calls himself the Mad One in no time. How? Well, it's very simple. All he has to do is, uh... Well, all he has to do is locate the people who hate me and then just eliminate them one by one. My word, sir, that'll keep him busy for four days in Glendale alone. (laughs) Is that so? There may be a few people in Glendale who don't care for me, but I'll discuss that another time. Are you paying this detective much, sir? Well, we haven't really discussed money so far, but it doesn't matter. I want this mystery unraveled, and I don't care what he charges, even if it's as much as uh, $3 a day. (laughs) Do you you think he works for that, sir? Oh, sure. Maybe even less than that. And all the stories about Sam Spade, he says he doesn't care about the money. It's the thrill, the spine-tingling thrill of the chase. Go to the door, Tracer. I'm sure that's Spade now. Very well, sir. Boy, a real detective. Gee, I hope I can give him some clues. Yes, yes, but but don't get in the way. 
This is Mr. Sam Spade, sir. Well, come in, Mr. Spade. I, I can't tell you how glad I am that you're here because... I'll take over from here. Uh, I... You called me in on this case as your private investigator, right? <laughs> right. Now, if I'm handling this, you've got to put your complete trust in me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I just want a complete rundown on this caper. I want nothing but facts. Understand? Facts. Now, who's this gunsel here? <laughs> Gunsel? That's, uh, that's Treacher, my valet. I'm a Gunsel? Yeah, who's the other guy? That's my gun, or my nephew, Tugwell. Okay, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Well, I- I'm Jack Carson. Surely you've seen me in pictures. Why, I'm probably the biggest star out of Warner Brothers Studio. <laughs> Look, Carson, we're not going to get any place if we start off lying to each other. <laughs> Well, I only meant to try Now, the to... way I understand it, you've been receiving some threats against your life, right? Yeah, right. You want me to find out who's sending these messages, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, well, you see, Mr. Spade... Now, before I... we go any further, let's settle the subject of my professional fee. Fee? Oh, you mean uh, money? Yeah, cabbage, scratch, moolah. I'm funny that way. I like to get paid when I work. Yeah, well, Mr. Spade, you see, I... Uh... Well, it says in your books that... Uh... Money doesn't matter to you because you love the spine-tingling thrill of the chase. Oh, yeah? Well, my fee is 50 bucks a day. <laughs> 50 bucks a day? Yeah. What's that funny look on your face? Well, if you pull up your shirt there, you'll see some real spine-tingling. <laughs> Mr. Spade, I only thought that $50 a day is, well, it's, it's quite a bit of money. And although I've already hired you, Excuse I... me, i got to look out the window. Just remember that on the way over here, some Garnet was shadowing me. Garnet was shadowing you? Yeah. Hey, you there, open that curtain. Yes, sir. Yeah, there he is, skulking behind that bush. Stand back, everybody, under the line of fire. I'll get him. There. That'll fix him. I threw at least three slugs right through his shoulder. Gee. And the same thing... <laughs> the same thing will happen to anybody who tries to cross Sam Spade. Now, about that 50 bucks a day, Carson. We aren't going to have any trouble on that, right? Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> when, when you come to think that $50 a day is quite uh, reasonable. And expenses. <laughs> oh, right, 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 of course, expenses. That includes any little thing that may come up. And, of course, when I take an assignment, I always drink Volcados. Uh, uh, what was that? Volcados. It's a beverage imported from France. Costs $14 a bottle. $14 a bottle? Well, you know, it's a funny thing. Usually we have gallons of that around the house. But today we haven't got one little speck. <laughs> That's okay. I brought some with me in my satchel. I think I'll open a bottle and take a slug now. <sighs> ah, that's great stuff. Really curls your toes. What do you drink, Carson? Me? Yeah, what's your poison? Scotch and soda, bourbon, gin, or straight rum? Well, I, uh... In the evening, he has a cup of hot hemo. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard of that stuff. Does it curl your toes? Well, no, but it, it makes them lean over and kiss each other goodnight. <laughs> hey, uh, English... 
I'm putting you in charge of these bottles. Whenever I want another slug of Alcatos, I'll tell you. Uh, what was your name again? It's the Gunsel to you, sir. About about how many drinks are there in one of those bottles, Mr. Spain? I usually get about seven. Fourteen dollars a bottle. That's costing me two dollars a drink. Look, Carson, your life's in danger, right? Right. Right. Now, when a man's life is in danger, money is no object, right? Right. But I can see that you're the kind of a guy that money doesn't mean anything to anyway, right? No, but stick around and try for the jackpot. (laughs) I think I'll have another slug of Alcatos. Ah, that stuff's as delicate as a butterfly walking on a lily pad. Mm. Hey, here comes Norma Jean up the front walk, Uncle Jack. Oh, a dame in the case, huh? Oh, no. This is just a little dame that... I mean, a little girl that lives next door. Well, in this case, everybody's a suspect. Lots of times, gangsters use a little kid as a go-between. Now, you two get out of the room, and Carson, you stand behind that screen so she can't see you. Behind the screen? Well, I don't see Do as I tell you. Hello, everybody. Oh, I was looking for Mr. Carson. Who are you? My name is Spade. I'm, uh, uh, well, I'm a detective. Oh, hasn't he paid that bill at the May Company yet? (laughs) Kid's got a memory like an elephant. Look, kid, uh, Mr. Carson's in a little trouble, but maybe if you can answer a couple of questions, you can help him out. Oh, I'd do anything for Mr. Carson. Okay, now tell me. You ever seen any suspicious-looking characters hanging around here? No. Any strange women? Well, my mother says all the women he gets are strange. (laughs) Who, for instance? Well, there was Gloria. Gloria? Yes, Gloria Hockenschlag. Mr. Carson told everybody she was a hostess, but she wasn't. No? Well, what did she do? She filled up ketchup bottles in a cheeseburger joint. I've got to tell this kid about Nora Prentice. <clears throat> well, is there uh, any girl he knows who might be classed as, uh, uh, well, mysterious? Well, there's that new foreign girl he just met. Foreign girl? Yes. Her name is Tanya. I think she's got him hypnotized. Since he met her, he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. You mean he's uh, sort of out of his mind? He must be. He took her to the drugstore one night and he insisted on paying for both Cokes. That wasn't the way it was at all. We tossed for it and I lost. Well, thanks, kid. You were a big help. You can go now. All right. Tell Mr. Carson I was over here. Goodbye. Okay, everybody. You can come back in now. I, I could have told you that you were wasting your time with Norma Jean. Well, I do things thoroughly, and that reminds me. Uh, Treacher, another shot of Alcatos. Yes, sir. Ah, yeah. Delicate as a butterfly walking on a lily pad. Alcatos, he has to drink at two bucks a shot. Why couldn't he be crazy about Drano? That only costs 60 cents a quart. Let's see, Carson. Maybe I'm going on the wrong angle. I think I better get a general picture of your background and proceed from there. Well, I'll be glad to tell you anything about. Oh, there's the door. Look out the window and see who it is, Treacher. Yes, sir. It's Miss Ryan, sir. Miss Ryan. Who's she? Oh, she's just a woman who has a little store down the street. You don't have to question her why she wouldn't harm a fly. Okay, if you say so. Let her in. Hello, everybody. Hello, Mr. Carson. Hello, Miss Ryan. Uh, This is Mr. Spade. He's. 
doing a little investigating for me. He was just about to ask me some questions. Oh, go right ahead. I wouldn't bother you for the world. Good, good. If there's anything I hate, it's a buttinsky woman who doesn't know enough to keep her nose out of other people's business. Uh, yes, yes. Now, uh, Carson, we mustn't pass up the possibility of poison. Poison? Yeah. How have you been feeling lately? Oh, I guess I'm about as well as could be expected. <laughs> Miss Ryan, he was asking me. Oh, excuse me, but I have noticed a peculiar ache recently. What kind of ache? You should never have asked her that. This ache is kind of hard to describe. Well, never mind that now. I'm trying to get some dope on Carson here. When did you first meet him? Well, now, let me see. In 1944, I had those terrible headaches. In 1945, I had a pain in my shoulder. And then 1946, I got that awful pain in my neck. I can't remember now which came first, the pain in my neck or Mr. Carson. They usually run neck and neck. That'll do. All right, that's the first portion of the Jack Carson Show from March 5th, 1947. Uh, Howard Duff, a special guest. Sam Spade on this particular episode. Norma Jean Nilsson, who played the little girl, she was nine years old doing this broadcast. Uh, she was one of the daughters on uh, Father Knows Best. You probably recognize her from, uh, because we play a lot of Father Knows Best shows here. Uh, just a reminder, folks, Classic Radio Club. That is our club we've formed for our listeners here of the WGN Radio Theater. That means you. Would you like to be a club member? Well, learn all about the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's our website. All of the information is there. You can get 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time, including the Who's On First routine with Abbott and Costello. And, Love that oh, routine. Oh, gosh, fantastic. Performed uh, it several times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Suspense, mm-hmm. Agnes Moorhead, and Sorry Wrong Number. Oh, we have Gunsmoke. We have, um, let me see, Gunsmoke, Fibber McGee, and Molly. Mm-hmm. We have Jack Benny, there's Inner Sanctum, there's an Escape episode. So the first ten shows you get when you join the club, mm-hmm. I mean, amazing, amazing shows. Exactly. You get them on either five CDs or digital downloads, and there's also copious liner notes. Mm-hmm. You join and you get all these shows for only one dollar. All one ten dollar. shows. Yeah, all ten puck. shows, one dollar. And then um, you'll get 10 shows, 10 different shows every single month that I will hand choose out of the 100,000 plus episodes. They're all going to be brilliant sound quality Mm -hmm. right from the master recordings. The best sound quality anywhere. You'll never get a duplicate show, Mm -hmm. and you can cancel at any time. This is a a very, very special club, and I know Mm -hmm. you remember it. I appreciate that, Roger. Some great selections. Some some shows that I had forgotten about. That's right. There's always gems in there every Mm -hmm. single month, and uh, it is a club that we have formed just for our listeners, and we have hundreds and hundreds of listeners. There's also testimonials at the website Mm -hmm. from listeners that uh, will tell you how much they enjoy being a member of the Classic Radio Club. So do check it out. Join for only a dollar the first yeah. month. ClassicRadioClub.com. That is our website. All right, let's take a quick break, then we'll be right back. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. 
The proud and honorable men and women of our military are still overseas, sacrificing their lives and their families, emotions for another country's freedom. Please pray for the courageous troops of our military. This salute courtesy of CCS Heating and Cooling. For new construction and replacement and service jobs, call Tim at 815-462-0255. That's 815-462-0255. CCS Heating and Cooling is thanking our military for their dedication and service. So you know what, Roger? Hmm? We have, uh, I have the lineup for next week. Ooh. Yeah. Lisa will be back. And uh, you're going to love this lineup. <laughs> you're going to love this lineup. Oh, you Are know you ready? I love this. Okay, go ahead. The Shadow. <laughs> of course. You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx. No way. Dragnet. That's, that's Saturday. This is all on Saturday. That's Saturday. On Sunday, The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Leroy. Leroy. And then Gunsmoke. Man. I mean, come on. How do you do this? I, you know what? This is amazing. I would pat myself on the back, but my shoulder's it's hurting right, me right no, now. No, you've got to go for a doctor. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, but I'll come over there, and you can pat me on the back. I don't think so. You no? can stay right there. You can just there. stay right at you where I am. You stay where you are. Uh, yeah, The Shadow, You Bet yeah. Your Life in Dragnet on Saturday. Yeah. And then The Great Gildersleeve and Gunsmoke. My brother can't stand The Great Gildersleeve. Well, you but know, you know what? I, I love The Great I Gildersleeve. Too. I think he's great. Yes. He's The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> I, that's, how uh, did you figure that out? You know what? All by yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't know if you know this, but I when, I was I in, when I was in college. I don't think I want to. When I was in college, I studied to be an astronaut. I, um, you know why? Because I took up space. <laughs> All right. For the ten, you know, I think we're going to buy you a spot on the new SpaceX. I would. I you know would, how it it takes off and then yeah. it can land. They reuse it over and over. Uh-huh. We're just going to drop you off out there and on the way what? on the round trip. We'll just drop you off. Just you know what you should do? <laughs> drop me off at Uranus. That's the. That's where I want. That's that would the, be a great exploration plan. project. It'd be perfect. For you. It, it would be perfect yes. for you. Uh, yeah. That's where I want to go. Just and if you get tired, you can go to Pluto. Let's go a couple more over. A couple more over. Yeah. Neptune and then Pluto. And Pluto, right? I, you know, poor Pluto. For a while there, they, they, know. they you know, took away its status. But it I think they've given sad. it back now. I think they have. I think they've given it back. Yeah. Well, you know, what we're going to get back to. Oh, Jack I don't know. Carson. Well, of course. And it's a pretty good show. I mean, I'm enjoying it's this. It's funny. It's very yeah. good. All right, yeah. let's get back now to the Jack Carson show. Sometimes uh, capers like this are inside jobs, Carson. I remember once I had a That's little, all uh... my pains are, inside jobs. <laughs> this guy was like you, Carson. He got involved in the shooting. You see, he was trying... You know, to... a lot of my pains are shooting pains. <laughs> well, they, uh, they ambushed this guy one night when he was coming home from work. I don't mind the shooting pains so much. Only some of them backfire. Miss <laughs> uh, Ryan, please. Four-way cold tablets, and that really confused them. <laughs> now they fire in all directions. <laughs> Miss Ryan, I really haven't got time to hear about your pains. Now I'm paying this man fifty dollars a day. My goodness, why didn't you say so? You must be in terrible pain yourself. Well, I don't want to be one of those women who just keeps talking and bothers everybody, so I'll just run along. Goodbye now. So long, Miss Ryan. Are there any other dolls in this caper? Well, there's a, a Viennese girl named Tanya that I met about a month ago. 
Well, I'd like to talk to her. She sounds very suspicious. Oh, no, no, no. You've got her all wrong. Tanya is a gorgeous girl, and I'm I'm pretty sure that she's crazy about me. Yeah, that's what makes her so suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Tanya's coming over about 8 o'clock, and you can Mr. talk to... Mr. Carson, Mr. Carson, Mr. Sharp is out in the kitchen. I told him not to come in. Oh, yeah, this guy will want to question him, and $50 mm. a day is already wasted enough of my time. Uh, Spade, I'm going out in the kitchen to get a glass of water. I'll be right back. Hello, Jack. I just stopped by to Look, tell you... Look, Dell, I can't talk to you. I'm in a hurry. You see, I've got somebody... Well, in the other I room. just stopped by to tell you that the folks Del, seem to Del, like... I'm it. in a hurry. I've got Sam Spade in the other room, and I'm paying you uh, 50 But, Jack, bucks I think you'd like to know that folks seem to enjoy that Al Jolson commercial you did a few weeks ago so much that Well, they... I'm in a hurry. Uh, the folks did? <laughs> Absolutely. Lots of people thought you impersonated Al Jolson even better than Larry Parks, and they'd like to hear it again. Oh, but then you're in a hurry, and... Ooh! Who was in a hurry? <laughs> you mean you mean when I sang? Though April showers may come your way, they bring the tiny little flowers that are blooming a man. Yeah, that, that's the idea, Del, Jack. Del, don't interrupt me. I like that part in there. <laughs> those tiny little flowers. Ah, those tiny little flowers. <laughs> Here, Jack. Here. Say, I, I've got a medley of Al Jolson's songs right here. Now, you can start right from the top. Okay, of course, I, I hate to show Larry Parks up like this. Mammy. Mammy. The sun shines east. The sun shines west. But I like camel's chicken noodle best. Oh, wait, wait a minute, Del. How did chicken noodle get in there? Well, I, uh, I changed the words slightly. Well, how could you do this to me? I was singing my heart out. I, I was even down on one knee. Yeah, but this is for the Campbell Soup people. Oh? Maybe I better get down on both knees. <laughs> chicken noodle made the camels all time away. What a fine, fine plump chickens. And a good old fashioned noodle sham. Well, it's no use. I can't go through it. Eh? <laughs> Somehow I don't feel it right now. I'm, I'm worried. Well, well, all right, Jack. If you don't want to cooperate, I can always get Larry Parks to do it. Larry Parks? Yes. And who knows? The Campbell people might like him better than they do you. Well, uh... <laughs> well, what do you say? No, April showers. Take your way. Those tiny little flowers. Okay, Jack. Now, here's the big finale. Oh, California. There. California, here I come. Okay, hit it. Chicken noodle, here I come. Tell that grocer to save me some. With oodles of noodles, the old-fashioned kind. And plenty of chicken, it's delicious. Served in dishes and your lips, you will be licking. Love those noodles, love that chicken. Love those tiny little Jack, flowers. Jack, <laughs> you don't have to overdo it. Yeah, but I'm doing this for my mammy, Del, my good old mammy, Campbell Sue. You can bet. I won't be late Cause there's chicken noodle in my plate And that's why I can't hardly wait Chicken noodle, here I come And I mean Campbell's chicken noodle Here I come 
Music of Freddie Martin, presenting Glenn Hughes and the Martin Men. I got a gal I love in North and South Dakota. The two gals put me one above the booth. Still, I got a gal in North and South Dakota. Ooh, ooh. Wish I knew which of my true loves is true. Ooh, I got a gal I love in North and South Dakota. Just wait to lay here by the gal in Minnesota. It's a situation, partner, that backs Guess I'll go back to the gal I love in Texas. Texas. Guess I'll go back to the gal I love in Texas. Said that she'd be true and I could quote her. I should have kept my loves in North and South Dakota. Dakota. I guess I've even lost the gal in Minnesota. It's a situation, partner, that makes it. If I had the nerve, I could go back to Texas. Texas. What time is Just it? Just a quarter to eight, sir. Tanya ought to be here pretty soon. I told her I'd take her to the Black Cat Cafe, and our reservation is for 8.30. By the way, where's Spade? He's out in the kitchen, sir, working on the caper. Oh, well, let's peek in the door and see how he's doing. He's doing all right. <laughs> That's the fourth bottle. Hey, Carson, is that Dame here yet? Uh, we, I wish you wouldn't refer to Tanya by that term. She's really a very lovely girl. Listen, Carson, Dames is Dames. Wherever there's trouble, you find a Dame. I can't stand him. Oh, uh, when you see Tanya, you'll think differently. Not me, pal. Her charms won't do a thing to me. They don't call me Spade the Stone Wall for nothing. I'm going in the library now. When she comes, I'll question her. You know, sir, he's so handsome and dashing that he might be some competition with Miss Tanya. What do you mean? Well, sir, under the circumstances, you're lucky he is a stone wall with women. Oh, Pooh, I'm not afraid of competition. <laughs> I'll get it. That's probably Tanya now. Ah, hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Tanya. Come in. I'm, I'm awfully glad to see you. Look, Jack, since we were going to the Black Cat, I wore an evening gown. Yeah, it really looks nice, too. <sighs> I'm afraid I was in such a hurry that I just threw the dress on as quickly as I could. 
He shouldn't have been in such a hurry. He almost left at home. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do like the dress, Tanya. It's so snug. How, how did you get it to, to fit so snug? Oh, huh? It is on account of that wonderful invention, the zipper. Uh-huh. As you say in America, I just put it on and zippity up one side and zippity down the other. Yeah. Well, a lot of doodah going on, too. <laughs> I am glad to see you. I've got a table for two at the Black Cat. Oh, good. I have my heart set on going there tonight. I heard voices on here, Carson. I thought maybe you might have... Oh, who's this? Oh, hello, Spade. Excuse me. I want to tell Tanya something. Tanya, this is a friend of mine. I don't want you to be offended. You see, he's peculiar. He, uh, he hates women. Oh. Uh, Tanya, I'd like to have you meet Mr. Sam Stonewall Spade. Ah, Sam Spade, the detective. I'm so glad to know you. Look here, young lady, I have some questions to ask you, and I want some direct answers, you understand? This guy's as hard as granite. <laughs> of course, of, of course, Mr. Spade. Oh, you'll, you'll forgive me for staring at you. You're, you're so good-looking, you almost take my breath away. Listen, all I want to know... Oh, you think I'm handsome, eh? <laughs> Yes, I do. Oh, you do. <laughs> Anybody want to buy an old stone wall? Oh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Spade, I have not met any continental men like you. Vous êtes très vigoureux. No, mademoiselle, no. Mais oui, mais oui. Vous êtes fort, grand, formidable. Mademoiselle, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> I wish I was back in the pickle factory. <laughs> you see, Tanya, Mr. Spade came over here to help me out of a little difficulty that I was... You in. know, Carson, I had no idea this case had so many interesting angles. But a detective, he doesn't know a curve from an angle. <laughs> Mr. Spade, I have read so much about you. You are intriguing. I'm fascinated by men who live dangerously. Well, Tanya, you may not know this, but I, I, I live dangerously, too. Oh, yes, indeed. Just yesterday, he crossed Sunset Boulevard without waiting for a Boy Scout to lead him. <laughs> Nobody asked you, Treacher. Oh, Jack. Jack, we really should go if we don't want to be late for our table at the Black Cat. Yes, but Mr. Spade wanted to ask you some questions. Oh, that's oh. all right. I can ask him down at the Black Cat. It'll be more cozy down there anyway. Uh-huh. Well, I'd love to have you come along, Spade, but it's a table for two, and it was the last one in the place. Table for two is plenty, Carson. You won't be there. Yeah, you I won't. No. I was hired to protect you, and you're in danger, so I forbid you to leave this house but tonight. Wait a minute, Spade. Jack, Jack, what is this? You're in danger? Well, yes, yes. I've received some threats against my life, Exactly. But... That's why you can't leave the house, but I'll uh, take extra good care of Tanya, eh? Hmm. But, Jack, I will worry about you. What do you think I'll be doing about you? Uh, Jack, don't concern yourself about my safety. I'll be with Mr. Spade, and I know he always carries a gun. Yeah, but this is the first time he ever had my girl for a target. Let's get going, babe. Good night, Jack. Now, now listen to me, Spade. I don't mind telling you I'm plenty burned up. First you charge me $50 a day, then you drink $36 worth of Valcados. It all comes under expenses. Yeah, yeah, I know. Now you're going over to the Black Cat Cafe and run up a big bill. Well, that's expenses. And while you're going over there, you'll probably make violent love to my girl. I suppose that comes under expenses, too. No, I do that for nothing. He... <laughs> Go on, pal. Ah, that does it. That does it. Preacher, a shot of Valcados, please. But, sir, you, you never had a drink before in your whole life. Well, I'm going to have one now. 
That spade isn't so tough. Anytime he thinks he's as tough as I am, he's got another thing coming. I'll have another shot. Oh, please, please don't drink so much, sir. Why, this stuff is as smooth as a butterfly falling flat on his face in a lily pad. <laughs> as I said before, any time he thinks he's as tough as I am, he's got another thing coming. Oh, dear, sir, it's affecting you already. It is not. I don't feel a thing. <laughs> I repeat, anything is coming that he's got a tough... I mean, uh... Any guy who, whatever I said before, thinks he's as tough as he thinks he's as tough as he thinks... Well, whatever it is, that's what I am. And I'm just the guy that can do it, too. Hey, Uncle Jack, Please I... Please leave the room, Master Tugwell. I'm afraid your uncle is intoxicated. I'm sorry you had to see me in this condition, Tugwell, but I wrangled the whole bottle of Valcaros. What? That bottle right there? That very same bottle. Well, gee, I emptied that bottle out and put something else in it. I suppose you did. Yeah, what you've been drinking is 7-Up. <laughs> I want to thank Howard Duff, who is Sam Spade, for dropping in with us tonight. He can soon be seen in Mark Allen's picture, Brute Force. I hope you'll all be with us next Wednesday at the same time. Till then, good luck and good night. Sam Spade appears through the courtesy of the Wildwood Company. This next Wednesday is the Jack Carson Show, and stay tuned to Dr. Christian, which follows immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. It's funny, they, um, <laughs> they said... Sam Spade, courtesy of the Wild Root uh, Company. Yeah. They didn't call him, like, they didn't say Howard Duff as oh, right. Sam Spade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they almost like he's... They kept him in character the yeah, whole time. it's very interesting. Yeah. All right, March 5th, 1947, the Jack Carson Show is heard on CBS. Uh, you heard that, uh, they used that familiar, that's what Campbell's soups are. They even had Love it back it. in 1947. Yeah. Wow. wow. I'll tell you. America, our military is sacrificing for our freedom. Please take time to remember our men and women fighting overseas. This salute, courtesy of Alley 64 Bar and Grill in Palatine. They're the best-kept secret in town. Stop by 2001 North Rand Road in Palatine or call them at 847-934-6408. That's 847-934-6408. That's Alley 64 Bar and Grill on the air, welcoming our troops as they return home.